Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me on another episode of Get Into It with Gila. Uh, today's episode, maybe I'll perhaps put a trigger warning and just say that I spoke to a girl named Baya who um, was willing to share her personal story on her um, journey through having an eating disorder and now in recovery. And honestly, we didn't delve so deep into her story, but I still felt like it's um, it's a really important thing for, for me to share on my podcast and for me to share with my followers and my listeners, because um, I know that for some people, intuitive eating or health at every size or the body positive movement or even like body neutrality sounds like it could kind of feel like extreme, especially because it's on like the opposite spectrum of normalcy right now in terms of like the outside world, like talking about dieting and weight loss and healthy food and not healthy food and this food will kill you and this food will cure you. And if you have any aching pain, it's probably gluten or dairy. Um, obviously, I don't really think that. I'm just saying like what people say. Like I know for me, um, I'm surrounded by diet culture on all sides, like people in my family, lots of my friends. Um, and like we kind of discussed in the in the podcast, like you have to be normal and functional. Otherwise, like that's really not like um, quality of life. Like you have to learn to live with those comments, but you also have to learn to identify how you're reacting to the comment and like approach it with gentleness and self-compassion and understanding that yes right now I'm feeling a little emotional about this or I'm feeling triggered by this or I'm feeling like I need to step outside get some fresh air maybe I'll journal about it later I'll speak about it right on a sticky note and speak about it with my therapist um and also I don't want to ever be an alarmist um I'm really not an alarmist but I, I find that it's a, it is important to um, just stick to the facts. I'm actually um, looking at the in, at a website called EDRD Pro, and that is a website that if you are a dietitian who is um, you know get going for the extra credential of eating disorders, or even just intuitive eating health at every size, um, be, being in line with that way of counseling, it's a great resource. You could join it. Um, there's a membership fee, and every month I, w- I I had joined it for a few months. Evelyn Tripoli recommended it. Every every um month there's a different speaker, and there's supervision sessions, group supervision, and you could ask questions, and you can learn from other professionals. And there's lots of recordings, and it's a great resource. And I'm actually on the website right now, and <clears throat> there's a great resource section. So I went to the resource section and um just was looking up some articles, tons and tons and tons of articles, and I um. The name of the article that I'm referencing is called How the Healthcare System is Failing People with Eating Disorders by Pamela K. Keel. And she starts off by saying one death every 52 minutes occurs in the United States as a direct result of an eating disorder, according to a report by the Strategic Training Initiative for the Prevention of Eating Disorders, the Academy for Eating Disorders, and Deloitte Access Economics. So um, it's a long article, so I'm not, obviously not going to read the whole thing, but um, there are so many deaths that are associated with eating disorders and um it's, it's definitely something that our whole community, society, not just the Jewish community, um, it's everywhere. And um, for many people, <clears throat> the precursor for the eating disorder was actually a diet. So I don't want to be an alarmist. You know, people think of going on a diet as like very, 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 um, what's the big deal, you know? But I, 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 I have so many people reach out to me and um, they want to they want to book a session and I tell them straight up I'm sorry I'm not like the right dietitian to help you lose weight I'm not going to put you on a diet I'm not going to weigh you and I get a lot of pushback from you know people who reach out which is it's, it's a little bit confusing to me because I feel like my website is like super super clear my podcast is super clear and my Instagram is super clear I never promote dieting I even in the recent weeks or months I've been talking about like not even using the words healthy or unhealthy just like completely taking any sort of judgment um 
out of any type of food. And that seems extreme. I know, like for me, I'm also struggling with incorporating that into my life. How do I explain that to my kids? How do I talk about food, right? I've always talked about it one way. How do I change it? And again, there has to be a lot of self-compassion, grace, understanding, um, the human experience. Change is hard. Dr. Becky, if you follow her, she always says on her podcast, like, remember, if any of this information makes you feel like a little uncomfortable, maybe that means you're growing, right? Like we could, we could look at it from a more positive or neutral perspective. Like, yeah, sometimes I'm going to say like to my kids out of <clears throat> impulse and out of like a hundred things going on in my kitchen, like don't eat that, it's healthier. You just had a piece of cake. You're not having another piece of cake, right? I, I do that. Um, am I proud of myself when I do that? Um, no, I don't, I don't want to talk like that. I don't want to say a lot of things to my kids, but I'm human and I've been culturally um, predisposed to a dieting world. It's 2021. And again, um, grace and self-compassion and gentleness, like that is definitely the way to go in terms of if you want to make a big change in your life. So I thought it would be interesting to hear about your story. And um, she actually runs a support group. So you could hear about that on the episode. And again, I, I referenced this a little bit in the podcast that I'm working with an eating disorder supervisor to eventually have that extra credential. And um, her name is Jessica Setnick. And she's been on this podcast. And she recently said to me, um, maybe you just maybe like turn this anger into like activism because yeah, sometimes I get really angry. Like sometimes I have to say uh, to the client a hundred times, like there's nothing wrong with pasta. And they're like, yes, there is. There is something wrong with pasta. I know there's something wrong with pasta. And I'm like, okay, but there, but there's actually nothing wrong with pasta <laughs> and it can be frustrating and it can be hard. And that's sometimes just my job is to be the one person in their life that's validating that like it's okay to eat pasta and it's okay to eat pizza and it's okay to have salad. And that doesn't mean that you're on a diet. And over and over and over again and all of that is very normal in this type of recovery so um maybe it's uh, maybe this isn't as entertaining as my other episodes but this is definitely informative for parents who are wondering about their children um who may be struggling with some eating issues um i'm going to include some references and resources in the in the show notes so um relief is a great organization to reach out to they'll help you find the right eating disorder therapist dietitians um i'll put their information in the show notes as well as um by mentioned the book that she said helped her and i also mentioned a book called sick enough great book such an interesting informative book um it's it, it's textbook like but if you like that and you want to learn about eating disorders and how they come to be and what's going on medically and nutritionally psychologically physiologically great book um, and I will also put Baya's information. Um, Baya decided that she wanted to stay, keep her last name anonymous. So that's why we're only going by her first name. And I am going to put her contact information in the show notes so that if you are struggling with an eating disorder or you know somebody struggling with an eating disorder, and as she said in the episode, that as long as you are working with an eating disorder therapist and dietitian and you have a treatment team, then you are more than welcome to join this peer um, support group, which I, which I always say that it's much easier to carry a load with somebody else. So yes, it's Shame exists when we're private and secretive and we feel like there's a stigma and you did nothing to get an eating disorder and um, don't blame yourself and reach out for help. That's really the goal of this episode is that if you need help, please reach out. And as the book says, sick enough, you are always sick enough to look for help. Okay, have a wonderful day. Hi, everyone, and welcome to my podcast, Get Into It with Gila. I know you're going to love the content here because you will gain inspiration, powerful tools and insights, and valuable knowledge. If you want more of this, please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or visit me on Instagram at gilaglassberg. I'm Gila Glassberg, a registered dietitian and intuitive eating counselor. 
I've come to realize by counseling many, many women that this work is much deeper and greater than food and body image. It's the bigger picture challenges we face of love, belonging, acceptance, what our true values and goals are, noticing them, addressing them, and gaining skills to move forward. If you have been struggling with what your life's purpose is, or you just feel stuck in general and don't know what's holding you back, this podcast will enlighten and inspire you to take action and move forward. This podcast is about other women in the 21st century who feel that losing weight will fix all their problems or somehow meet their unmet needs. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Get Into It with Gila. I'm Gila Glassberg, registered dietitian and certified intuitive eating counselor. And today I have Batya. Hi, Batya. Hi, how are you? Good. How are you? Great. Thanks so much for joining us. Sure. So um, I'll just update the listeners a little bit about how we met and what we plan on covering today. So Batya reached out to me. Um, she, I, I believe you could correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that I got your number. We got in touch because of Zahava Liss from Cascano. Right. Um, and and you, you actually explained like, how did you, how did you get in touch with Zahava? And then how did you branch off into your own, you said like support type of group? Okay, great question. So originally I got involved with Cascano a few years ago when I first heard about them. Um, in the past, I dealt with an eating disorder. So Cascano was kind of like something that applied to me and um, I started going to some of the groups and things like that. And then uh, it was, I believe, last June, I decided to start an online eating disorder support group for Jewish girls and women because there I hadn't really been able to find anything like that. And I felt like there was really a need for that. So I wasn't really sure how to start something like that. So I reached out to Zahava and she was able to give me kind of some pointers and some guidance. And that's kind of how we connected. Zahava's amazing. She, she was on the podcast also. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, she's incredible. So are, do you mind sharing with the listeners like a little bit about your diagnosis of an eating disorder? When did it start? Like how did that come to be? Yeah. Yeah, so it started in 11th grade. I just went through like a very stressful period in life and that was kind of how it started. And then I spent the next couple of years kind of in and out of treatment until I was in a better place. And then I went to college, now I'm graduated. I'm working as a graphic designer and that's it in very short. I'm not sure if there's more detail later. I guess if you could share with people like, um, obviously like for, at least for people who listen to the podcast, they know that like an eating disorder isn't like, um, you know, somebody called me fat and then I felt fat and then I had eating disorder, right? There's like so many, um, variables that usually like are the perfect storm to create an eating disorder. So maybe just so if people could listen to this in more of like a preventative way, like what are signs to look out for? Like how did it evolve or how did it, how did you find the right treatment for you and like your support, your support type of system? Sure. So I guess the reason it started was because like my life felt very out of control and there were just a lot of really chaotic things going on. And I just felt like I couldn't breathe and like I needed something to kind of like ground myself and like feel like everything was in control. So I guess that's kind of the perfect storm you're referring to of how it started. And I guess preventative wise, my advice would be like, if you're overwhelmed or struggling like reach out for help and like I'm also a perfectionist so that also played into it because I was putting a lot of pressure on myself to excel in like all these different areas so that's definitely something that I've worked on um and another piece of it if that makes sense 
So at the time you were in 11th grade, did you feel like you, like you said, reach out for help? Did you feel like you were able to reach out for help? Like in retrospect, is that? Yeah. Yeah. So I definitely tried, but not enough. And like, I'm someone who's very, like, it's very hard for me to be vulnerable and like express if I'm struggling. So it also took me a long time and I didn't really take the steps I needed to, to like reduce my stress. Mm -hmm. So that's, yeah, that's definitely also a part of it. yeah no I know like for for clients who are really really struggling and like let's say like nothing nothing in outpatient is helping right like like you're giving them the advice but they're not able to do it like I I always say like you have the tools but you can't access the tools right right so um it's like your brain has been taken over by this disorder so it feels like you you want to you try and you want to try and you want to get better but like the, the eating disorder thoughts are like so strong. They've, they've like taken control, you know? So um, I know I, I've heard that story many times from clients. Like, I know I shouldn't be thinking this way or I know I shouldn't be behaving this way, but I really feel like, like you said, like it was the only thing that was like your coping mechanism. Like the yeah. disorder was your coping mechanism because life felt so out of control. Did you, were you aware that that's why you were using it? That's a great question because I didn't even realize like what was going on it took like months till I actually like acknowledge like there's an issue here because like I didn't it kind of started off as like just trying to be a little more conscious of what I'm eating and just eating a bit more I guess healthfully but then it kind of turned into like something that was just a way to like control like to feel in control and yeah I didn't I didn't really realize it at the time it took me like months to kind of be able to like look in retrospect and realize why it happened and why it happened when it did that makes sense yeah. So what did, what did your recovery journey look like? Did you get, when you said you were in treatment, different types of treatment, what did that look like? So throughout 12th grade, I was just seeing outpatient, like a dietitian, a therapist, but it didn't really go anywhere. And I was still really like struggling. So then I went the summer after 12th grade, I went to a partial hospitalization program. Um, then I went to seminary in Israel, but came home mid-year and then went mm-hmm. back in treatment, like residential treatment. Was there for a few months, left then went back the following fall fall was it yeah and then again it was like a process of several months and then um spent the rest of the year at home and then at that point I was doing well and then I went to college so yeah that's the long and short of it so in 12th grade you you said you were seeing a dietitian and a therapist and then you you felt okay to go to seminary um well I really wanted to go to seminary and my parents said like I went to treatment in the summer so they said um like if you do well and your like support support team if everyone thinks that it's okay for you to go to seminary then we'll let you go and so I kind of just like pushed through it to go to seminary but like I wasn't really committed to it and I wasn't really in a place where I like wanted it for myself so it didn't really last right and then, yeah. and then you sort of spiraled, like being so many different things, going to seminary just was like, again, like yes. the perfect storm. Yeah. And then when you came back, you said you were par- partially hospital in ho- partially hospitalization. Um, it was residential when I came back. Oh, okay. Yeah. Did you find that that was like significantly more helpful than like, let's say just meeting with, no. Um, <laughs> well, so before, before I went to seminary, I was in partial hospitalization, hospitalization, okay. and then afterwards residential and like it wasn't really a positive experience um I guess it was helpful on the technical level of like it was what I needed but looking back it wasn't the greatest program but 
I mean, yeah. And also I feel like nothing actually helped me like mentally till I was actually ready to change. Right, like right, right. it had to be like my choice because mm-hmm. for a while it was just my parents deciding like, you need to do this. It's actually so. really hard. I mean, just, it's really hard to be like in the middle of it because like, I know for my clients that are actually struggling, struggling with the eating disorder, it's like, they're like on the one hand you want to be like you just have to do this even if you really 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 don't want to and on the other hand like that sort of treatment can really backfire it's like it's like you really don't know and like and like you said like it's almost like a component of like amuna like sometimes you're just like not ready unfortunately and then like everything sort of clicks yeah Um, I actually read a book recently like you know Lori Gottlieb she wrote the book maybe you should talk to someone I think I've heard of her. So I, I don't remember. I, I really like that book. And then I I heard her say, I was probably listening to her on a podcast that she had an eating disorder and she wrote a journal all throughout the eating disorder. Um, and she had found it like years later, like in her 30s or 40s, and she published it. And it's, oh. a, re- it's a really interesting book, obviously like trigger warning, like for anybody who it could trigger. But I actually found it really interesting to hear when like like again using the terminology like the perfect storm came that she started to heal like it was really like you don't see progress you don't see progress you don't see progress you see like that up and down and up and down and like you like you expect more progress but like you're not seeing it and then like something clicks and mm-hmm. it's it's good for clients to hear because like it I always say like like I'm I'm always like I'm so proud of you for trying like eating disorder recovery is like probably the hardest thing you'll ever do and like pushing yourself forward and like sometimes like even if you push really really hard it doesn't help and like I I find I actually found that that book was a really interesting way to see how like everything could help and it doesn't seem like it's helping but like at some point it could really help yeah like for a really long time I was like I never I never thought I could actually get past it I was like this is gonna just go on forever like I'm gonna be stuck in this cycle of like going into treatment leaving going in but then eventually it did click like you said and so there's right. hope. <laughs> maybe yeah. you could explain um for people listening like what was the difference between partial hospitalization and residential um the main difference is just time like you're there 24 7 versus there from like 8 a.m till 5 p.m so that's the main difference so you sleep at home you were sleeping at home yeah um did did people in your like social life and your family life know about it Great question. The first time, no. Like I was so just so secretive about it and like so closed off and just didn't want anyone to know. I was like embarrassed and still partially in denial. Um, but then like a couple, well, not a couple of years, maybe like a year into it, I opened up with friends and things like that. And that was so valuable. And I'm so glad I did. Cause like my closest friends, I didn't even say anything to. And I just like kept her in the dark. She knew something was going on, but she didn't really know what. And then once I was able to like express that, it was just like, it was very freeing. Mm-hmm. Um, and also something that was like very hard for me to do. Cause I'm again, like very reserved and it's very hard for me to like be vulnerable to people. But once I did, I was very glad I did. Yeah. It's like the, it's like the whole concept of Haskinu is that like, you're not in it exactly. like, alone. Right. Yeah. So like <clears throat> when other people could hear about your journey or your pain or like what you're going through it's like it, it feels like it's going to be so scary or vulnerable and it is vulnerable but it's also yeah. like like it's like they're sharing your pain like it doesn't feel as heavy right um so 
yeah, so partial and then residential. Um, did you feel like in residential, you were feeling like very forced, forced, like your autonomy was taken away? Absolutely, yes. <laughs> so, so after you left residential, that was when you came, came back home and then you were, you were feeling up to going to college? So, okay. It's kind of confusing. I yeah. don't know if I explained it well. Um, I came out from seminary, went to like a residential and then slowly phased out and then went back to a different residential. And then this, the, the, this second time was when I like, like I had told my parents, I'm not going to where I went to before. Like I need to do something different because um, it really wasn't working for me. And so because of that, I felt more like autonomy and I felt like this is my choice and I want to make it work. So that mm -hmm. was also very helpful and kind of just, I guess I matured and like came to a place where I was willing to accept changing. And I feel like that time it actually stuck because I was invested in it, if that makes sense. And also I feel like I kind of just naturally found meaning in other things and was able to like move past the eating disorder and then once I went into college, I've just been doing really well, thank God. And um, yeah, I'm now at a point where like, it's not really part of my daily life anymore. Did you ever, did people say, or did you ever think like, um, pe I have heard people say this, like, oh, you never really heal from an eating disorder. Like, did you feel I've like- I've heard that. I don't know. I think it depends on the person. Mm -hmm. I think maybe for some people, it's always a struggle. I definitely still have to be like on top of things and make sure I'm not falling back into like old, patterns but I also don't want to be like oh I'm never gonna get better so I'm I can never like let down my guard or I can never feel that I'm recovered because I don't think that's healthy either like I think you need to be able to like allow yourself to move past it right right for sure so um so how long would you say that you're like in recovery like recovered or in recovery yeah I would say around two years wow so could you tell us about the the group that you run like how did how did you find people to join? How does sure. it, how do the meetings work? Yeah, sure. So like I mentioned before, I, I don't know if I mentioned this, but um, the reason I started it was because in treatment, I had my peers like in the treatment environment. And then I had my friend, my Jewish friends outside of that, but there was like a disconnect. And I felt like very isolated because no one in my life really un could understand what I was going through. And then no one in the treatment environment really understood where I was coming from. So I just had this dream of starting an online support group because I knew there had to be other girls like me going through similar things. I just had no way to connect to them. But at the time, I, it just felt like something I couldn't do. Like I was, again, very scared to make myself vulnerable and just like, I just couldn't take that on. But once I graduated college, I felt like I'm in a good place. Like I, this is something I feel ready to start. So um, what was your question again? How did I start it and then how'd you start it? it yeah like how'd you find people yeah. to join and yeah right 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 so then I reached out to Zahava list from Hathkenu and she was able to give me some guidance on how to start and I also reached out to relief um like a Jewish mental health referral organization and spoke to different professionals and um kind of got some guidance on how to start it in a way that was like I guess healthy and responsible and all that um and then Zahava put a flyer for my group onto her email listings and that's really how I got most of the people who've come on um and it's been really small it's been like every week there's anywhere between like one and five people but it's been going steady for like five months now which is wow. good and I'm hoping yeah yeah thanks I'm hoping it will continue to grow um the longer we do it and the more people who find out about it um and then the way it runs is so it's just run by me it's very informal and it's kind of like open discussion. So anyone can raise any topic that is on their mind or that they want to 
they want to get some feedback or advice from. And then what we'll also do when it's a really small group is I have like different discussion prompts. Um, so some are related to just mental health or general questions or eating disorder related. And we'll just kind of start with a prompt and that will kind of initiate the discussion. So you're in charge of the group and everybody joins like via Zoom or the phone? Zoom. Zoom, yeah. so you could see each other's faces. Mm -hmm. And then you'll start by either like you have a discussion, you have a topic you want to discuss, someone else has a topic they want to discuss, or if no one has anything they want to specifically discuss, you have like this prompt type of thing. Right. And it's once a week? Yeah, it's every Sunday. And how long does it go, like an hour? Uh, 45 minutes. And have you gotten any feedback so far? Um, feedback in like, you feel like the group members are feeling really supported. Do you feel like the, yeah. Yeah. So I, I think it's been good. Like I've gotten positive feedback, but it's also been hard to gain traction. Like there are people who will come up, come on and off, you know? So mm -hmm. I'm still trying to figure out ways to make it more consistent. And so people are joining more consistently. Um, but yeah. Is that is this like um, mostly like in combination with other forms of treatment or this is people who are mostly recovered? So it's, I would say both. I would say a lot, like everyone to join the group, you need to be seeing an out, like, an, like a, a therapist or a dietitian, like this isn't treatment, right. but people are like in a range of places in regards to that. So, right. yeah. Where do you see like in like one year or five years, like where do you see the, the support group? Okay, so I would love for it to be, first of all, just a larger group. Like maybe we can bump it up to like 10 people every week. That would be mm -hmm. really cool. Yeah. Um, and then also I would love to do other things like maybe meet more than once a week or start a website or different things. But right now I'm just trying to get this really steady and then yeah. move on to maybe more. Yeah, you'll, you'll see that like as you, as more people hear about it and like the, yeah. it will gain traction because people right. are sure, like I've heard that many times, like people, people are in a, in a treatment center and then they have their support there and then they have their Jewish friends or their religious friends or their Jewish group. And like, it doesn't, the worlds don't meet, which for some people actually, yeah. they actually appreciate. And for some people, they find it to be like a major gap. Yeah. Like I found it to be very difficult because it was like, I was living in two different worlds at the same time. And so I think having a kind of bridge between the two can be really helpful. Totally. And um, what, what, what did you go for in college? Was it anything eating disorder related? No, graphic design. Graphic design, right. You said that. Do you see yourself doing anything besides for the support group, like in eating disorders or it's like too heavy? I don't you? think so. For now, it's just this. It's kind of like something I'm passionate about and want to continue to pursue, but I guess we'll see. Is there anything that you would want, like, um, you know, like teenagers to hear? I actually, my my eating stuff also started mainly in 11th grade. So like that's a very, that could be like a very hard time for teenagers or, or just like parents to know like what to look out for, not to be an alarmist, but like, what would you say is like important for people to be aware of? Hmm. Um, good question. I can't really think of anything other than the obvious, like if your child's like dropping Stop a lot of weight eating, or, not yeah. or things like that hiding in their room or you hear them go to the bathroom right after they eat right or if you see like a drastic change in their behavior right or like if there is like a, a lot of changes like just something to you know look out for also right, like, like if your child's going through a lot of stress or something just like yeah 
make sure they're okay and help them yeah. with that before anything goes awry. Is that was there like a lot of diet talk in your house or diet talk amongst your friends that was also not at all? No, not at all, which is very interesting. Like it wasn't related to in any way, like how the eating disorder started. But then I guess once I was dealing with an eating disorder, that kind of talk, I became more aware of it. And like it definitely was hard for me to be around. And so I would just tell anyone, like especially teens, like just I guess be careful about that and what you talk about and what you say and be aware that people might be struggling with different things that you aren't necessarily aware of like especially in seminary like yeah. diet talk was everywhere and like first I told myself like it doesn't bother me I don't care but then once I told myself like this really is hard for me to be around that was helpful for me because I realized like I don't think this is right or I'm not okay with this and then I was able to kind of like put it into perspective as opposed to being like it's not bothering me but really it was um, right. and I would just tell like teenagers or girls going to STEM or whatever that like just be mindful about what you're saying and how you're saying it and like just be aware that weight and eating can be a sensitive topic for people and so just just to be mindful of that yeah totally yeah it sounds like I don't know if this is something that you, like your therapist told you but it sounds like like more of like a self-compassionate approach which is like something that my therapist taught me which is like on the one hand we could say to ourselves like which is something that I used to struggle with but she helped me understand that like oh yeah diet talk doesn't bother me or like gaining weight right. like it, it doesn't really bother me like it's fine like I'm so happy that like whatever you know like all the the things that we try to we try to incorporate into our life and then life happens and like it's really hard and it's really annoying yeah. like you don't really want to go to a meal with people and hear about their diet like right. whether or not you agree it doesn't matter it's, it's triggering you don't want your kids to hear it like you don't want you don't want to be around it and you also like want to function in the world so like exactly telling yourself like, you, like, don't, oh. you don't right we also I also it's not like we don't want to be like everything triggers me and I can't handle anything but at the same right. time you want to be able to like acknowledge when it when it does right feel that way so, yeah. right so if if this is helpful for any of the listeners like that would look that would be like I guess the the, the two um different ways that that would look the one way would be like yeah, whatever. I don't really care. Like weight's like not important, obviously. Right. Versus like, well, like I'm noticing that like, I'm really having like some sort of like emotional reaction. Like my, you know, I feel like a tightness in my stomach or like my heart's racing or like my cheeks are feeling flush or like, I'm getting like really overwhelmed by this conversation. Like, well, this is something that really bothers you, you know? And like, it's actually, um, actually like I, I work with the supervisor, Jessica Setnick, uh, eating disorder supervisor. And she's when, whenever I'm like in session with her and I'm like really angry about like a client, I feel so bad, like that they have to go through that. She's like, well, you just have, how could you use that as like activism? You know, like, how could you spread your message more? And like, sometimes if I don't hear that from her or from anyone, I just get angry and it doesn't feel good. It just feels like the whole world's against me and like uh, no one even cares about intuitive eating you know but then when she said that she said that recently I was like right that's why like yes 90% of the world is into dieting but like for the 10% of people that are not into it and they've really really recovered um this is helpful and it's really important for people to hear is there any other like resources that you could share Relief, um, you said. Relief, Cheskenu. I don't know of any other specific resources. How did you find Cheskenu? 
I don't even remember. I think I maybe saw an article about it or heard someone talk about it. And also relief. You just saw something. Yeah. I'll actually put that information in the show notes. So if anybody is struggling oh, cool. or know somebody, yeah, know somebody struggling, they could really, they're really a great organization. Yeah. Um, what about like any books? Were there any books that really helped you or anything that your therapist said that really like gave you a lot of like support? Um, as far as books, oh, actually, yeah, one thing, like for a really long time, I never even knew like how eating disorders worked or like why it happened. And like, that wasn't really addressed in treatment. And then one time my therapist recommended a book. Um, I don't remember, I think it's called just anorexia or something like that. Um, oh, I'm blanking out. I can, well, I when can you find it, it well, yeah, but it was very answers. helpful in just explaining like how it works in the brain and kind of how what the like neurological or biological kind of processes are which helped me like realize what was going on and like I wasn't crazy like this was actually just like something in my brain if right. that makes sense so that no, was does. Helpful. I wonder was it sick enough was it the book sick no. enough? that's a really excellent book also oh, she cool. she's a eating disorder um, doctor and she oh, really wow. does explain like nutritionally medically physiologically right. like it's really a good book it's really really interesting and very very like well researched and detailed and like it's it's a great book I'll also put that in the show notes um I guess the last thing I wanted to ask you is like why did you decide to go like public with your story um I would say I'm still not totally public in the sense that like I am still selective about who I share it with but I definitely have become more comfortable being in a bit more public settings such as this because I just have become passionate about it and it's something I care about and I feel like I'm not like in a place that I'm ashamed anymore and I'm more just like I want to do good with it so it's like what my supervisor said like you feel like some sort of emotion about it and you want to like share it you don't want to just be like why did this happen to me? Or like, you know, like, what was the point? It's like, okay, now that this has happened to me, like, what have I learned? And what, how could I help? Right. And I feel like I've also grown so much through it that like, I can't imagine life not having gone through this. Like as cheesy as that sounds, like I grew a lot just in terms of being able to be open with my emotions, connecting with other people, managing stress, all these different areas. So I feel like I want to continue on this path of exploring and doing and all that yeah like you said before we started recording like you're feeling a little bit nervous but like yeah. it's important <laughs> Very. yeah it's important for people to hear like you're nervous but you did it anyways like you're right you know you could feel like um a little resentment about having an eating disorder but also like at the same time feeling grateful that like it helped you so like right. I think that that's important I think that is part of eating disorder recovery that like there's so much that you learned about yourself and so many of the tools you could use in other areas of your life yeah absolutely yeah. So thank you so much for coming on. I, thank do you, you want me? me? Yeah, sure. Do you want me to share like your email address in the show notes? Can people find you? Oh, Can sure. they reach out to you? For sure. Okay. And do you want to say how they could join your support group? Yeah. So if you put the email in the notes, then you can just email to the email address with the subject line join, and then I'll send you an intake form, which is basically just like a list of questions to make sure that you're a good candidate for the group. And then once you send that back in and I look it over, then we'll send you the Zoom info for the group. Okay, perfect. And I'll put the, when you find out the name of the book, I'll put that in the show notes and the books perfect. that I recommended. And hopefully this will really help a bunch of people. Okay.
Okay, amazing. Thank you for having me. Sure. Thank you so much for coming on. I really, really appreciate you sharing your story. Sure. Thank you all so much for being here on my podcast, Get Into It with Gila. If you'd like to learn more about what I do and what intuitive eating is, please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or follow me on Instagram at Gila Glassberg. Thank you so much. Have a great day.